Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Welcome to the Leaf Report. This is Clark here. Hello, everybody. Myrtle is on the mic. Myrtle, do you want to wrap us into the show today? <laughs> I was just doing my like warm-up to make sure my mic was working. All I said was Myrtle on the mic. Did you know, <laughs> and I'm guessing you don't know this, that Jay-Z was known for just doing one take? Like, he would just come into the booth, drop his, his lines, and that was it? Like, he didn't, he didn't do rehearsals or record it, like, multiple times. Like, he was known for just dropping it the first time and i guess we do that too <laughs> yeah but have you ever you've probably I, I i've recorded music before and you know, go in the studio and you get like done like the tracks on a guitar and like doing it in one take would be impossible completely right impossible. especially like if you're rapping like and you're you're a lot of it is just like freestyle and i guess some of it's in his head i don't think he actually wrote stuff down i think it was just in his head Anyway. Some bands, some bands like it to have like that authentic kind of sound, so they, they don't mind if there's little kind of imperfections in it. But I think a lot of music now is super overproduced and like it's kind yes. of all, it's so computerized and everything that uh, there used to be an album like uh, Metallica had an album that was called like Garage Days, and it was you know it used to be a thing that you would want it to kind of sound like it wasn't overproduced, but it's not really the way it is anymore. When you listen to like old music, it kind of has more of that vibe. Yeah. Like yeah. you listen to like Zeppelin or anything like yeah. that. I've actually been anyway. listening to some of that stuff lately. Yeah, me too. Me too. Honestly, it's it's so much better our ability to listen to like any kind of music now with like Spotify and Apple Music. Is and then you can just listen to literally anything you want anytime. Anyway. Uh, yeah. What? I was just going to say, I love Spotify. You just, you, I like how you just pick one song and then it just gives you a whole bunch of other stuff that it thinks is related to yes. that. And, and you're just like, oh, I didn't even know this existed. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. No, it's been good, especially for an old guy like me who's kind of really fallen away from what's current in music. It's, I'm able to kind of discover some new things. And now I know, like, I know a few new songs. And, and sometimes I hear stuff and it's like, oh, okay, that's who sings. That's like, 
that's what Taylor Swift sings or whatever. I'm, oh. like, kind of, I'm like kind of getting an education in what current music is. So it's been good for that. All right. Well, this is not the, the music report. This is the leaf report. One of the so questions we, we got was about music. So maybe we'll oh. save, save that for the reader Be questions, perfect. listener questions. Yes. Okay. That sounds good. I'm looking forward to that. Well, so we're 10 games into the year and we're kind of doing a lot of 10 game looking at everything, looking at numbers, looking at performance. You've got um, a story coming on Wednesday, delving into the numbers. Um, so I kind of want to take a, a big picture view of the season so far to start off. We'll get into some of the five on five issues. We'll talk a little bit about the depth questions on defense and upfront. And obviously, like you mentioned, we'll take some reader questions about music, about cooking pasta, about Jay-Z. So my first question, James, and first thing I want us to discuss is 10 games in the season, the Leafs are seven, two and one. Do you think they are meeting expectations or exceeding expectations? Uh, it's it's this is one of those years jonas and people are gonna we had some complaints i think after the last podcast that we were too negative because we spent the first whatever 20 minutes talking about you know that some of the things that weren't working and things like that um this is one of those starts and one of those seasons where i don't i think the record is is better than they've played so I'm fine to say meeting expectations. You know, right now, if this was an 82-game season, they would be on pace for 123 points, I think is the number. Mm. I don't think I don't think they've been that good. But, um, you know, your record doesn't always 100% reflect how well you've played. I think they've been fine. I think they've been fine. And I was trying to get Sheldon Keefe after the game on Saturday to, you know, I was trying for a little bit of a different answer. I asked him if anyone, you know, who on the team had pleasantly surprised him, and he kind of said nobody. So, you know, I think that if, if they had exceeded expectations, there would that would be a, a bit of a longer list. And I think he's right. I mean, I don't think there's any players. Justin Hall, I think, has been better than I was expecting. But for the most part, there haven't really been a lot of surprises. And the team sort of played about as well as we would expect with with some caveats in terms of there are some areas where they've been better than we expected and some that they've been worse. Well, if I was going to answer your question, I would probably say Wayne Simmons. Um, I thought he kind of started not great. And then just with every game, I think he's looked better and better. Um, he's really big and strong protecting the puck in the offensive zone. He's obviously good around the net. But yeah, to your point, like everything's been fine. Um, I think like the 123-point pace, their competition just isn't that good. Like this division kind of sucks. Like who's... Like Montreal has been really good. Other than that, who would you look at and say, man, that's, that's, they got something cooking there. Well, and it looks like, I mean, Ottawa's going to be just brutal. I mean, I, they, it looks like they're going to take a step back from last year. Edmonton. Turns really, out you need good players, James. Like, that's yeah, a thing. Just it, Ottawa was like kind of like a scrappy young team, but I think that, you know, they made some decisions like Matt Murray and Good Branson and that, that, that is just going to push them back even further. So, you know, Edmonton's without Clefbaum. I think their D looks pretty thin. Vancouver's re- had a really, really struggled this year. I thought they would take a step back, but I didn't know if it would be as as kind of extreme as it looks like it's going to be. Calgary has, after a, a, uh, some good games early on, has kind of hit a, hit a little bit of a wall. And, you know, Winnipeg's been, been surprisingly good in the games that I've seen. So, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's... If the Leafs play this well, they're going to be fine. But, you know, I think it's going to be a battle for that around that third, fourth, fifth spot. 
but you know, right now it really looks like Toronto and Montreal are going to be the, the class of the division. Well, obviously like the, the big thing that's powered much of the success so far is the power play. Um, I'm not sure like I would look at any, I mean, you mentioned Justin Hall of like the big guys. I'm not sure I'd look at any of them and say like, they're really exceeding expectations. Like, I, I think Barner's been good. I don't think he's been great. I think Matthews has been good. I think he's been great at times. I think he was a little slow coming off that, that injury. Neander's been hit or miss. Tavares, hit or miss, especially five on five. Like, is there anybody that, that you think has really exceeded expectations individually? Well, like I, I mean, like I said, Justin Hall would be the one. And I, I don't know if I can think of anybody else. No, that it's... It's kind of, you know, you think seven, two, and one, there would be people that would be standing out there. You'd be like, yeah, you know, like that guy has been, but it's like their, their very best players have been either at the level you thought they would be or maybe slightly below. And, you know, surprisingly disappointing. I think that there have certainly been moments that Morgan Riley has struggled more than, you know, I, I think we, we chalked a lot of, his issues defensively last year up to who he was playing with and, and playing through injury most of last year. And he doesn't really look like he's gotten to where you would expect him to be given the minutes he's playing. Um, yeah. It's, it's almost like, you know what it is, Jonas? It's like too early to tell what, what, what we've got here. That's what I well, would say. See, I would follow that by saying this is what having a lot of talented players is like, even when they're just good, when you're facing up against teams that don't have like that kind of firepower, it's good enough. Like I'm trying to think of who, Oh yeah, I was listening to overdrive and they were talking about the senators and, and McLennan was making the point. And it's a good one. Like Ottawa has to play at like 80 to 90%. Like they have to be almost perfect to win. And the Leafs can kind of play at like 50, 60, 40, just because they have, they can beat you with their power play. They can beat you like, Matthews can be quiet a whole game in one shift. He scores. Same with Neander. Um, like they're just talented enough to beat you that way. And I, I mean, the goaltending it doesn't show up in the numbers, but I think Anderson's been just fine, which is better than I like think he could have hoped given last year. The goaltending's weird. I don't know if you have a theory on this. I'm doing like a really deep dive into some of the early numbers after, after ten games and. You know, overall save percentage is not great. I think they're down around twenty third or twenty fourth in the league. Five on five, though, it's fine. Like they're they're kind of a little bit above average or right around average. And I would think, you know, just the eye test, I would say that's probably about right. That that's how Anderson and Campbell have played. They've been you know fine. Um, the numbers are really low because the the penalty kill has gotten beat up a little bit. And I think. I don't know. It's you know what else it is, James. Those first two games murder your numbers, right? Like if you look at Anderson, um, the last right. six starts, his five on five save percentage is like nine thirty nine. Mm. It's just those first starts, like they kick your ass a little bit. Um, and we'll see. Like I'm curious, like uh, what they do now for the next couple weeks without Jack Campbell. At least the next couple weeks, we don't know. We we'll know when he's coming back. Like. I'm pretty sure that they'll just roll Anderson, right? Like there's no, until you get to that back to back, there's no way you're putting Hutchinson is there in there. Is there? It depends how long this goes. And you know, one thing that's interesting, Jonas, is I don't think looking at their cap situation, they've put Campbell on LTIR. So there's a couple of reasons why that might not have happened. But one of the reasons is that they think he might be back by the, the 20 before the 24 days. So right. maybe it's like a two or a three week injury instead of longer than that. 
but it, there could also be some cap implications of why they don't want to do that. Like they can recall Hutchinson using the emergency recalls or uh, the Leafs aren't really saying why they're making their, all their daily cap moves. And it's hard to keep track of all of that right now, but that's one thing to keep in mind is that potentially it's a positive that he's not on LTIR. All right. Well, I want to get into um, one of the main kind of intriguing, interesting points about the season so far. You're writing about it on Wednesday. If you haven't signed up for the athletic, go to the athletic.com slash safe report. Um, and you can check that out. We've got lots of stuff going on five on five. It's been kind of just very meh. Um, and I wonder digging into some of the numbers, why you think that is or what you've discovered. What, what you really see at even strength is, is the, a number that we call pace in analytics, which is often calculated by taking total shot attempts in, in a game. So shots attempts for and against just like how fast is the game? Like how much, how much is happening every minute in a game? For the Leafs, that number has come way down. Like it's come down dramatically. One of the the highest drops in the league. They've basically gone from being a top five team in in pace, and there being a lot of shot attempts, to uh, I think I think the number seventeenth, yep. to, to where they're slightly below average. Um, so that's one of the things that really jumps out in the numbers is they just look like a different team. Like if you look at expected goals and even strength. It's not just that they're way down in terms of what they're producing. Uh, let's see here. Expected goals last year, 2.63. This is just when Keefe was the coach last year, 2.63 expected goals for. Uh, this year, they're down to 2.13. So it's down a half a goal a game or a half a goal every 60 minutes at even strength. Expected goals against is about the same. You know, So they've, they've dropped a lot of offense and they haven't really picked it up defensively. Where you do see the gains defensively is shots against are down a lot. Uh, shot attempts against are down about five, about, sorry, about 10%, uh, five per 60 minutes. There's, there's some positives there. Uh, scoring chances against are down, uh, you know, about two and a half per 60 minutes. So there are some numbers there that, that speak to some defensive improvement, but it looks like they've given back even more offensively when you look at, at the numbers at five on five. Well, I think what's, what's been interesting to me just watching, not even like looking at the numbers and obviously we look at the numbers, but there seems to be a lot of shifts where there's full possession and there's long possession, just like controlling the puck around the perimeter in the offensive zone, but not really getting anything out of it. It's like, and I, it, it's yeah, like they have ahead. the puck up high in the offensive zone a lot, right? Like it just seems like they're kind of yes. just, it's it's more like they're trying to establish more of a cycle. Yeah, and know, I think be, they have maybe be more selective with their the, when they're shooting it. Or I'm, I'm but not what's sure weird about that, James. Is like it seems like Sheldon Keith wants the opposite. Like he wants one of the things that he talked about was pace, and not exactly in the terms that you're talking about it. But he said he wants the opposite. Like he wants them to attack the net quicker to not let the defense get set right, up and right. and. But that's not what's happening, right? But that's not what's happening. And I wonder if it's like uh, John Tavares talked a little bit about it on Tuesday. I wonder if it's sort of what you're talking about. And this is kind of what he said is they're trying to find more of a balance between playing better defensively. And maybe that's having some impact on on how they look for their chances offensively. 
I think that's the most logical explanation. I mean, one of the best ways to generate a high expected goals for is to to get a lot of odd man rushes. And if you're paying a lot more attention to defense, it's going to be more difficult. You might be cutting down the number of odd man rushes coming back against you, but it's going to be harder to generate them too. So, Right. Well, if you're not blowing the zone, like as often, you're just not going to get as many chances, right? Basically what I see in the numbers, Jonas, is that at even strength, they're kind of like average maybe slightly above average and the the big difference for them from from last year or from you know based from other teams their power play has been ridiculously good just off the charts dangerous and two units james two units i guess i mean like the results are ridiculous you know like if if that's manny malhotra's doing then you know assistant coaches can't win coach of the year but maybe there's some sort of uh little trophy they can put on his desk or something because it's early like we're looking at a pretty small sample size we're looking at whatever you know they're they're on the power play four minutes a game for 10 games 40 minutes of ice time and i'm sure other teams are gonna gonna try and adjust to what they're doing but i can't recall the leafs have always been a, a good power play team the last i mean what four years yeah i can't recall their numbers being this high across the board well, I'm working on something for Thursday, and I kind of looked at the two different units. And what's interesting is the Tavares Nealander unit has actually been better than Matthews Marner. But anyway, that's a, that's a separate thing. Let's get back to five on five. One thing that's been very clear and a little concerning, I think, if you're the Leafs, is Tavares lines are just not they're not generating anything, and they're trying all kinds of different things. Like the latest thing. At practice on Tuesday, they had Wayne Simmons with Tavares and Nylander. We'll see if that works. They tried Mikheyev. They tried Hyman. They tried – did they try VC? No, they didn't try – actually, they did try VC. Yeah, yeah, VC they tried. They've literally tried everything. Um, Tavares obviously hasn't scored five on five. And so right now, they're they're kind of just a one-line team. Like their, their third and fourth lines aren't giving them much of anything offensively. Um, what would be like your concern – level with Tavares and I guess Neilander and whoever else is going to be on that line. I'm just looking at the even strength points so far. The leaders are predictably uh, Marner and Matthews. I think that that probably includes the empty net goals in there though, right? For, for Marner. For whatever reason, NHL.com considers empty netters to be even strength, even though one team has that six skaters in the ice and the other team has five. <laughs> um, yeah, logical. So th- the leading point producers at even strength are Marner, Matthews, then it's Justin Hall tied with Neander with five. And then you get down to Riley, Tavares, Kerfoot, Muzzin, Spezza, VC with three even strength points. They're they're not and then like everything else is like really low. But you know, you'd want to see more output from from Tavares and and, and you'd want to see more output from whoever the third member of that line is and they just, they haven't really found a fit with that yet. So, and then the thing too, is that, I mean, you wrote about this early on in the year that they're, they're sheltering that line. So, you know, if, well, if wait you, a if, second. No, they were, right. they were, and now they can't. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and now Kerfoot's got an injury. I don't know if that was sustained during the last game or, or when that happened, but he, you know, he didn't, he wasn't, um, he wasn't in the in the lines at, at practice on, on Tuesday. So, you know. The, he did skate. Uh, he was skating a while beforehand with Thornton. So. Right. Who knows how serious it is. But, James, like, do you know what's interesting is, like, so part of my 
story coming up later in the week is I looked at some of the Tavares numbers. All the shooting numbers continue to go down. His attempts, like his shots, his, all that stuff is down from last year when it was down from the year before. And that's like a little worrying, especially given how much they were stuffing him in the offensive zone early in the year. And obviously that's changed a bit. But that's that's like a little like, I don't know if that's part and parcel of what he's talking about, of trying to be more responsible. I don't know if that's decline. He's 30. I don't know what mm, that is. I think you got to, you know what's interesting, Jonas, in looking at this is that shot attempts are actually down across the NHL. And like, I haven't mm. been able to dig into that enough to talk about why that's happening, but it looks like generally speaking, maybe that's the impact of no preseason and guys not playing for so long. And it's just like the pace in general in the league is down. And then you add on top of that, that the Leafs are down so significantly. I mean, I, I haven't seen those Tavares numbers. I didn't look at that specifically, which players are down, but it could just be that his drops in some of the shooting attempts and all that are, are in line with what's happening on the whole team. And, you know, maybe it's a stylistic thing that's, that's, that's happening for the Leafs right now. Let me see, since we're like going total nerding out. So last year, nine shots per 60. That was the alternate name for this podcast. Nerding out. Yeah, that's good. So just like a couple off the top, like last year, nine shots per 60. This year, six. Last year, 10 and a half scoring chances per 60. This year, nine. Last year, high danger four. This is five on five. Last year, high danger four. This year, two. Like everything is... Is yeah. down, so maybe that's part. I, I just that's a little worrisome for me because of the way they're built. Like they need him, and they need that line to be really good. Because like you look at like if you're forecasting ahead and you're looking at those third and fourth lines, I'm just not sure what they're gonna get. Even when everybody's healthy, like maybe when Thornton comes back, maybe you play him on the third line. You play him with like I don't know VC and Simmons, and you protect the hell out of them. I just don't know where they're going to get offense. Travis Boyd might help. Nick Robertson might help. Um, but it's a little like, I don't know. This is the balance you try to strike when you try to balance your roster by trading away Kapanen, by trading away Janssen, right? Like, well, you're just not going to be as potent maybe. The Leafs have the best power play in the league right now at 43%. That's obviously not going to be sustainable. No one can score at 43%. I mean, like the upper bounds of possibility is probably around 30%. So that's going to come down. And if you look at their overall, what's that? I looked that up. That's in my story. It's like the last like decade, basically the best power play was last year with Edmonton and it was 29 and a half percent. Yes. Well, I said 30, so I was pretty close. Bingo. Nice job. Uh, Yep. Goals per game for the Leafs right now, they're they're 12th in the NHL. And that's with a power play that's completely off the charts. So, you know, at some point they're going to have to, solve that that puzzle of, of why they're not getting enough offense at, at even strength. So I think there's a, a, a semi-interesting subplot on the... Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Back end right now, it's not a huge deal. It's a, it's a deal. Um, and that's what the Leafs are doing, have done with their number six, seven, eight defensemen. And that's Dermot, Lettinen, 
Sandine. Sandine obviously hasn't played at all. Lettinen's gotten into a few games. He's not looked comfortable. Uh, when Dermot's been out there, I think it's been totally fine. Um, but I think let's we should start, James, and talk a little bit about Lettinen. And for that, we need to deliver the... You're such an idiot. How does that quote go? The, this guy is such an idiot quote of the week. Uh, I was probably crying a little bit. Uh, 13 years in this city and uh, with the team, it's been... It's been a lot of ups and downs, you know, a lot of emotions and a lot of great teammates that's passed by. And uh, I mean, the fans and the organization, it's been a very emotional ride. I don't know how players can walk around. I know I, I have a lot of trouble walking around the city. I'm embarrassed. It's probably the toughest loss I've ever uh, had in pro in pro hockey. It's been so fun with Mitchie and, and Maddie. Um, we have a lot of fun out there, and I love playing with those two kids. You think it's my fault? Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah, he was just screaming in my ear, so <laughs> you know, he's a big fan of that song. He plays it in the car sometimes, so he definitely is a big Bon Jovi guy. You know, we've got to continue to adjust to the NHL level, and, and the, the difficulty of it is is we're rolling here in the season, right? Uh, it's not like we can, we can just put him out there and let him figure it out and sort it out. It's not as simple as that because... We're in a very competitive division. Uh, we're in a shortened season. A lot of these bugs, as we've talked to him about, would usually be sorted out through exhibition. And uh, that hasn't been possible. So it's it's real tough. He's got to find ways to adjust through practice. We think a lot of the things that happen on our side of the ice with Nico need to get better, both with and without the puck. So. He's got to continue to get reps at that. That's been a focus for him in our development sessions yesterday and today and in our meetings with him. Uh, he's got to continue to find ways to adapt. All right, James. So that was Sheldon Keefe discussing Miko Lettinen. Um, and he kind of hits on some of the challenges that they face trying to integrate this guy who's coming over to the NHL for the first time. He had no preseason and how difficult that's been, especially for a team that's trying to win and has other defensemen who can play. Um, when, when do you think they kind of pull the plug with this? How many more opportunities do they give letting in? Like, where do you see this going? I still think what you do is you kind of tread water like this for a while. And cause there's, at some point there's going to be an injury on defense, even if it's a guy that goes down for two games or, or there'll be a suspension or something's going to happen. Like there, you never have your, your full blue line healthy all year. So it's been 10 games and they've been able to get through without an injury. I don't think they're going to be able to go another 10 games. And then, you know, you'll, you'll, there'll be more minutes and opportunity for everybody to play, especially, you know, if someone goes down on the right side, all of a sudden, you know, it's going to be Dermot's going to have to switch over. And then, you know, there's going to be more opportunity probably on the left side. And so that's, that's what I would do is I would just keep, it's a very condensed schedule and guys are going to get tired and hurt and, and you never know when, when you know coronavirus could be look at the teams around the league the number of the number of guys that some teams have in in coronavirus protocol you're going to need to be eight defensemen deep and i, I know that this has been a big storyline that you know Dermot's playing 11 minutes a game and letting hasn't been in the lineup but i think it's smart what the leafs are doing and they just have to say to these guys like be patient like we need they need that depth you know because i'm not super confident with the guys they have after sandine so you know, that group of eight, potentially, you know, you get two guys that, that get put in, in COVID-19 protocol, all of a sudden those guys are in your lineup regularly and playing a lot. So 
I think it's smart what the Leafs are doing, just waiting this out. See, I actually disagree. I don't, I, I think they've kind of, I don't think this is what they meant to happen. Uh, I understand why they've tried to get Lettinen in there, but I don't think it, it, it makes sense to go like this continually now. I also don't think it makes sense for Rasmus Sandin not to play at all. Um, I think Sandin is theoretically better at even strength than Lettinen. Yeah, I would, I no, I'm not saying I would, I would put Sandine into a game here coming up soon. I would take Lettinen out of the rotation. Like, he would drop down to eight. I wouldn't play him. I just think, I mean, you look at some of the numbers with Lettinen and Bogosian, it's been a disaster. And you can see why. Like, he he just doesn't look comfortable with the pace. He doesn't look comfortable with, the like, the size and speed and skill of some of these guys. Like, he, he looks like he should. Like, he looks like someone who's never played in the NHL before, who's coming over at 27, like... He looks intimidated. He looks, he looks slow. Intimidated. Like, he, he, he looks slow, right? Exactly. Yeah. So I, I think what I would change is I would give Dermot some more run. And I mean, as as we're recording this, we don't know what's going to happen with the Marley season. Like they still don't have a schedule. That like they need to find a way to to kind of push this along with Sandine. And I think that's one of the mistakes that they kind of made. And I don't totally blame them because you know, you sign Lettinen, you sign Bogosian, and Sandine kind of falls behind. But he's like your most important prospect. Like, you have to find a way to do more than him just being involved in, you know, practice and, like, building his strength in the gym. And, like, they're doing these sessions, like, skill development sessions. But, like, he hasn't played in almost 11 months. Like, this is – he's 20. Like, this is really important development time for him. So I think like you got to kind of at some point here very soon punt on Lettinen and, and start prioritizing Sandine. Well, the AHL season was is supposed to start this week, right? And then in Canada, it's been delayed a little bit. So like yeah, there was well, because I don't believe they've gotten approval. Right in in Ontario, they don't have approval for for Belleville and, and the Marlies to play. So I think they were probably thinking they could mix Sandine in some games at the the Marlies, the AHL level, the Marlies level, and that that might end up falling through here or it might get delayed or whatever. And you know, what's interesting, Jonas is this is some of the, I know some of the players kind of behind the scenes have said that they, they think that Lettman can play like they've seen him in, in the short training camp they've had and, and the abilities that he have. And like, there's some belief in the organization there that, that he's, he can't do it. It's just a question of, it's almost like he's got the ability, but can he rise to the occasion and, and, and show it in a game, you know, where the, obviously the pace is different than anything he's, he's, he's been used to. And I think what they should have done is in a game like against Ottawa, you know, or, or the, the Leafs just haven't had a lot, a lot of lopsided games. I mean, I think that they should play some of these, these guys like Sandine and Lettinen when you're, you're facing a team like Ottawa, that's clearly on the lower rung in, in the division. Like they're, Ottawa's not going to threaten for you for a playoff spot or the division lead. That that's the kind of game where you can afford to give up a, an overtime point if you if you have to. Yeah, well, and they've got some games coming up in in February against Ottawa, so maybe they mix them in there. I just don't I I don't know. Like if it was a longer season, if you had exhibition and you could kind of clean some of this stuff up, okay. But I just I mean they've talked a lot about how comfortable they are with him on the power play. I great. Like I just don't know that they need it. That much, like they need Lenton on the power play so much that they should prioritize playing him ahead of Sandine or playing him ahead of Dermot. Like, I don't know. I I, I kind of would change course at this point, and I wonder if we start to see more Dermot full stop, 
and maybe if they find a way to sneak Sandine in if there is no Marley season or if it's delayed. So. Well, Lennon's played, he's played like 37 minutes total. He's played four games and nine minutes a game. It's not like they've given him like an overwhelming opportunity that's, you know, even well, if you would have given him How many Dermot- does Sandine have? Like the zero. Right. Right? And like, I mean, he's on an expiring contract, James. Like it's, I mean, I don't know. It doesn't, I, I, I don't blame them. I understand like you sign San, you sign Lettinen, like he's the best defenseman outside the NHL potentially. You have no training camp. You have no preseason. Like it's a screwed up season. But now like we're 10 games into the season. He's played four games. How many more do you need to see before you change course? Maybe a few. I don't know. I think I'd give him like two or three more chances. Yeah. And do they have, I haven't looked super far ahead in the schedule. Do they have more Ottawa coming up? I, I would. Yeah, to, they have the a back to back. The next time you play Ottawa, I would put, put Lennon in and give him like 15 minutes. Like, like just play him a lot in the first period, let him get. And, and if he can't do it, he can't do it. You know, that, that's what I would do. Is there anything positive you want to discuss? Because like, we're kind of picking apart some of the, the holes. You're um, driving the bus here, bud. You put it wherever you want. I mean, like the biggest positive is the power play is the best in the NHL by far. So let's talk uh, about that. Another big positive is is Justin Hall, who we've talked about. I think the goaltending and the way Anderson's played lately is is a positive. Um, and I mean, their record's a positive. I mean, they put up a whole bunch of wins here against teams they're going to be competing against for for playoff spots like Calgary, and you can't take that away from them. So that I mean, it's not like they're not positives. I, I think just you know what were what were our expectations for this team are that they're going to get to a level where they're one of the best five or six teams in the NHL. And I'd be hard pressed to say that that's what they've looked like so far. Well, and, and, and if you frame it a different way, it's actually encouraging for them that they're, they have this record and they haven't actually been like lights out. Like they haven't kind of hit their high gear, but let's, let's take a second and actually talk about the power play. Um, Obviously, the changes that they made is they have two units, and Manny Malholtra really wanted a net front presence on each unit. And you've seen the benefit of that. Like Hyman's got a couple goals, Simmons has a couple goals. I mean, it's it's almost just like a very traditional kind of thinking. Like you just get a guy around the net. You have all these great shooters. You have two units. I don't know. Like I've wanted them to have two units for a while. It makes a lot of sense to me. Is there anything that's like surprised you about how it's looked? Are you surprised that it's been as like both units have been as explosive as they've been so far? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like I said, I mean, I was saying earlier in the show, I mean, it's been off the charts in terms of the success that they've had. So, you know, I, I don't know. This this start this year kind of reminds me of those years. Remember, like, it was, I think it was 2013, 14, the year after they made the playoffs, and they had that really hot start with they They were like 10-1-1 one, one or something like that. And yes. I remember writing stories and being like, yeah, but, like, you know, like, you know, their possession's, like, really low, and their, their PDO's really high, and, like, you know, and I remember writing those stories for the first, whatever, 25 games, and I was just getting, like, hate mail, and I was getting people, like, you know, yelling at me and calling me names and stuff on Twitter. And so I think there's a balance you need to strike where like, is the record real? And I think that for the, you know, the the record that the Leafs have right now is the, the, the record's a little bit better than what they've done. But like you said, the division's not that good. And 
someone said to me that was affiliated with the team, they, they said like the biggest difference is that um, there's no Boston, there's no Tampa, you know, yeah. like there's no, there's, there's no, you're not playing in your division, two of the three or four best teams on, on like road trips all the time. And you're not like the, the, the bar that they're going to, the Leafs are going to have to hit here to win the division or, or get home ice advantage in the first round is just so much lower than it's been in the past. So, I feel yeah. like we've talked about like the power play enough, and okay, I think that you know what's interesting to me is that like the other thing that we can talk about in terms of a positive is that the Leafs played a lot of games in a really short window of time. They didn't really get the rest that a lot of other teams did. I think part of why we saw those lulls in games, and part of what we're seeing at even strength and on the penalty kill and the penalties are taking is that they're gassed, like they're completely tired. You don't get a preseason game; you get a really short camp. Guys haven't played in a long time. And then you cram 10 games into the first, what was it? The first, like, uh, I don't know. I think it's like an 18-day stretch or something. Like, it's just, it's it's wild. Like, we know this is going to be a condensed schedule. And then they get this four-day break. They give a lot of the guys two days off. I think that the, the positive is that they've weathered a couple of injuries here early on. They've played through a pretty grueling stretch in terms of how many games are up in. And, you know, if, if they have another gear, it would make sense for them to hit it coming out of this break. All right. We'll get to reader questions in a second. Reader. They're not readers. They're listeners. Well, I guess they're both. Listeners. They oh, I'm hoping they're readers. Yeah, they're readers. Readers and listeners. Fourth line. Quickly. Who are like your favorites? Who do you think should be on that line? This is like, wow, we're really nerding completely out here. Yeah, but we Just always do that on this show. Digging into the... Yeah, I guess so. This is like when you're fully healthy. I think I would put VC down on the fourth line. To be honest with you, like I just haven't seen enough from him. But you know, with the the cast that they've got right now, I would like to see. I'd like to see something like Engvall, Boyd, and Anderson. But that's what I'd like to see. You know, the the one so game. No Spezza. I mean, I think he's going to come in and out. You know, I, if Spezza plays, I think Spezza's been fine. But I think he's the kind of guy that probably should only play like sixty percent of the games. Depending on, you know, if Kerfoot's hurt or whatever, then you're probably going to need another center around, and then you probably do want to dress Spezza. But I just want to get more of a look at, at – I would want that fourth line to be like an energy line. That was the that was the trio they used that one game, right? Engvall, Boyd, and Anderson. Like, yeah, and, it, and, and it looked, that's exactly what it looked like. It looked really, line. really good. Like, you know, they come out against the other team's fourth line. They skate really hard. They get a goal. You know, that's like someone like Engvall, he's going to look really overmatched when you have him on the ice against good players like Connor McDavid, for example, and that one goal against. Um, but if you get him against other teams' fourth lines, he's going to look big. He's going to look fast. He's going to be able to create some things. And I don't know. That, that's the fourth. It's kind of a shame that they've had to mix guys, mix and match and pull guys out so much because they had something there that looked like it worked and then they don't get another opportunity to play again. Yeah, well, they're trying to give opportunities. We talked about Lettinen. They're trying to give Barabanov a chance. That hasn't gone very well. Um, it, it'll be interesting once everybody's healthy. Like I, I still like the idea of putting Kerfoot with Tavares and Nealander, but that kind of causes problems elsewhere because then you, then you have a third line and a fourth line that you can't really depend on to eat some of those D-zone minutes. So... Anyway, all right, James, you teased some reader questions. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, 
Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. James, take it away. I am debating what question I want. Should we start with the the goofy music one? Sure. Let's see if I can find it here. Hold on. The music one was basically on The Athletic Hockey Show, which is our, our flagship hockey podcast at The Athletic. Dom and Haley were on, and they were making fun of my choice in music. What about your choice in music? All the heavy metal? Well, it's just you know what it's I'm I, I, it's like a I'm like a different generation, right? So it's like I mean Dom and Haley are like 15 years younger than I am. All right, here it is. David says Haley and Dom were talking smack about your taste in music on the Athletic Hockey Podcast. What music do you listen to that so disturbs them? He also wants to know when Dan Goes Brown's going to be on the podcast. So people keep asking that. So we're going to have to make that happen at some point. I don't, I don't, it, like the music I listen to is, I was in high school in the 90s. Uh, the big music was, was first grunge. Like the bands I loved was Nirvana, number one, Pearl Jam, Red Hot Chili Peppers, you know, nothing like, what's that? Yeah, Soundgarden. Yeah, Chris Cornell's Rest in Peace, amazing. Um, all of those bands, that that was kind of like my formative, you know, I started playing guitar when I was 14 or 15. I started playing in bands, you know, towards the end of high school and I was really into kind of that scene. And, you know, and I like heavier music too, Metallica, Megadeth. Um, you know, my favorite band is, I'm sure I've talked about this on the show, my favorite band is Tool and kind of progressive alternative metal and stuff like that. That's That's the kind of music I listen to and I... It seems really outdated now because the music and Jonas, you can you're, I think seven or eight years younger than me. You can you can explain kind of the way it's evolved, but you know a lot of that style of music just like there's not a lot of new bands that are coming out that play that kind of music, and the stuff that's at the top of the charts isn't that kind of music, and you know grunge and, and alternative and even rock and roll has kind of really faded away. So you know if you're someone that grew up in a in a different time. It, look, it looks uh, looks pretty weird that that's the kind of music that, that that I listen to. Well, here's what I'll say: I hope Haley and I hope Dom they realize and and take advantage of like 
what they have in terms of like we were talking about Apple Music and Spotify. Go back and like listen to all kinds of stuff. Like that's what I do. Like and I love it because you just like stumble on stuff you've never heard before. You find like there's like live shows. Like back in the day, James, like if you wanted to listen to, I don't know, a Tool album or a Pearl Jam album, you had to have the album or you had to like catch the the radio song that you wanted to hear. Like it's so much better now for finding new music. So that's all I'm going to say. Let's move on to let's let's get back to some hockey talk. What what else you got? Mahesh asks, would the NHL ever consider an FA Cup style tournament that runs during the regular season, cut games out of the regular season, play around Robin with divisions similar to what we have now, and have like a, a semis or a final event that replaces the the All Star game? I mean, I, I think that that something like that would be great. Like if if let's say they go back to a, a regular conference alignment, division alignment that we had in the past, and the Leafs are back in the Atlantic Division with the Florida teams and a bunch of U.S. teams again. It would be cool to have like a little mini event that was between the Canadian teams at some point during the season. And I don't know. I'm not. I don't follow European soccer, so I don't know the the format exactly. But does anything like that appeal to you, Jonas? It does. I just know that this is the NHL, and the NHL is yeah. slow as like anything and boring for the most part. Like we can't even. We we still don't have like very good advanced stats on the NHL website. Like they're still debating what's a winless streak. And, goal differential. Is yeah. Like, they don't have shooting percentage on the NHL's website. Right. Like, I was looking today. I was like, I had to calculate it manually. Like what the hell? They're still debating like James, like winless streaks and losing streaks and like just nonsense. Stuff like, that no one cares about. Stuff that no one cares about. And like the NBA has talked about this, about doing a midseason tournament this year. They're going to have like a play in tournament uh, to get into the playoffs. I just think the NHL is too rigid and like dinosaurish to go in that direction anytime soon. Yeah, it's almost going to take, I think, you know, like new leadership. You know, whether it's baseball or the NFL or the NBA, kind of, I don't know. Like they had um, th- that play-in tournament that they had, where the you know the Leafs lost to Columbus. I thought I would hate that, but it w- I actually found it really kind of interesting and. I don't completely hate the idea of maybe there should be like a nine versus eight play in for the last playoff spot or something. I know baseball's done a little bit of that. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't think that the the playoff format needs to be the same way it was when I was like seven years old, where like 16 teams make it and one plays eight and you know, whatever. Like it's, it's been the same way for a long time. And there's well, nothing- the tweaks they have made are stupid. Like this, this whole, <laughs> like it doesn't make any sense. Now this year is not, this year is not fair to characterize it that way, but like this division-based playoff thing is terrible. Well, especially then, like if the division doesn't make any sense and there's no rivalries, like the Leafs are in the same division as like the Florida Panthers. Like, like what what are you doing? Are you, you going to build a rivalry between the Leafs and the Florida Panthers? Does that make any BB&T sense Center. at all? I've been saying for years, as you know, you're tired of hearing me talk about this, that there should be a Canada division. And I think that this year is is proving that. I, I think that it's, you know, if there were fans in the building right now, the level of attention on these games would be incredibly high. We're going to get down to the end of the season. And I think the interest level is much higher in Canada with this Canada division. I'm watching a lot of games that don't involve, you know, the Leafs or the Canucks, who are the two teams I probably watch the most. I've always got one of those games on. 
Now, I haven't watched a whole lot of, I haven't watched as much of the U.S. teams as I probably would have in the past, but there's there's something nice about um, them being real rivalries with a lot of these games. And I think that there's something that, the NHL has these rivalries. Like Edmonton and, and, and the Leafs could be rivals if they just played more and played in the playoffs. So, like, why not develop that and why try to mm-hmm. force weird rivalries where they don't exist? The only thing is, like, they're saying we're going to build these rivalries by doing exactly that. We're going to build a rivalry between Toronto and Boston. And I mean, there's one between Toronto and Boston, but they're just – like, they're playing Columbus. They played Washington one year. Like, they're just – and then the format changes so frequently, Jonas, that there's not enough time for there to be for that rivalry to build. And I just think they have to really look at the geographics and really build those kind of rivalries, you know. And maybe that's harder in some places in the U.S. And you know what, James? And get rid of shootouts. It's it's enough, oh, man. It's an, it's enough now. Fuck! I hated the shootout the first year. Like just, the the, the worst so part about bad. the shootout to me is that that becomes that crappy shootout game becomes a three point game. You know what they? I think they should do is. Every game's worth three points, and if it goes to a shootout, then that's when a win is when worth two. So, like, get yeah. If you can't decide this game in regulation or overtime, you're not getting three points. Yes, amen. All right. Do you have any leaf questions? So the problem is, I'm getting a lot of like Sandine questions, and I feel like we've talked that kind of to death. Um, well, you know what? One thing I'll add with that, James, is the mistake they made, and here's what they were thinking at the time: is they did not play Sandine in Sweden in the fall. Yeah. Now the there are there's some issues there. They wanted him to be available for camp. They didn't know when camp was going to start. Teams over there didn't really want guys to kind of come over for a couple months and then bolt in the top division. So like it's sticky, but it would have been better even if he's playing in the second division in Sweden to play 20 some odd games and then come over. It's just like they yeah, were waiting for camp. And I don't know why they did that. And this is, you know, anyway, um, someone like Nick Robertson probably should have played somewhere too, right? Like I wonder if he could have played somewhere in Europe. Uh, Jay Dixon asks me, what day is it? And that's because I tweeted the wrong day. Do you have a, do you have a problem Jonas where every day is like this, where we're, you know, everything's blending together and you don't know what day. I thought today was Wednesday. No, only because I use a, a calendar, <laughs> like a physical agenda. Piss off. I use a calendar too, but some days it's just like, I don't no, know. It's like some, a some, physical thing. So I actually see what day it is. I mean like the same house, the same office, like I'm eating the same thing a lot of days and like I'm. Uh, and what day is this today, James? Like literally? Groundhog it's Groundhog Day. day I know. Well, that's the yeah. thing. It's like, I feel like watching that movie right now would be depressing just because it's like, that's actually what your life is kind of like. Uh, Okay, uh, per the athletic article about the arenas, um, did you see that article about the I fans? did. Yeah, it was good. They had BB&T Center way too high. That should have been last. That well, they, they're relying sucks. on the actual fans of the particular team to rate. Wasn't I've BB&T, been to all the buildings. Wasn't BB&T bottom five? Yeah, it should be last. Well, I mean, it's, it's the fan, actual fan base rating it. Yeah, that's that's an old building, and it feels that feels like a minor league building when you're like, no, yes, no offense, it's Florida, but like freaking like, empty. Well, not even just that, but just it just feels like it's just it's old, right? Like it's yeah. and I don't think it was a really like a they put a lot of money into that when they built it either. So 
you know, it's I'm trying to think what year that would have been. Uh, early, mid, late nineties, mid nineties, mid nineties. Yeah. Yeah. When the team, yeah. Uh, so, Oh, sorry. So per that, that check out that article. It was, it was, uh, Mark Lazarus and Scott Powers, I believe, did it. They surveyed thousands and thousands of athletic subscribers in every market to rate the various arenas. Vegas was number one, which I agree with 100%. Uh, was Ottawa last? I believe Ottawa was last. Ottawa was, yes. Do you think a new single-purpose arena is on the Leafs' radar? If so, what's your gut sense of a potential timeline? I, I don't think this has been talked about at all. I actually wrote about this when... You know, the, the report came out that the, the Jays were looking at, at moving on from the Rogers Center and either, you know, building on the same spot or potentially moving to another location. And, you know, I wrote an article kind of theorizing that, you know, maybe you could put, maybe the Leafs could move into that location, you know, if they end up demolishing the Rogers Center. And I, I, I have long thought, Jonas, is, I'm not from Toronto and, and just as like an outsider moving here and seeing the situation and seeing how hard it is to get tickets and seeing how many diehard fans never get to go to a Leafs game at the arena. Like it, it was really eye opening for me because I grew up my family didn't have a lot of money and we used to go down to Canucks games all the time. And we would probably go to one a year or something like that. Like it was definitely a special occasion, but it wasn't out of reach. And it feels like the Leafs are out of reach for a lot of families. It's just like the people can't pay $200 a ticket to sit in the upper bowl. And anyway, so I've long thought that the, the lead, what the Leafs need is the biggest arena in the league. Like I, they're going to fill it every night and I think that what that would do is it would allow them to get some more real fans in the building. They're going to help the atmosphere. And maybe you could have a section in the upper bowl that's like one of those sections that, that maybe doesn't have seats and it's like a standing area and like you get the craziest fans in there and they pay like whatever, 59 bucks a game or whatever. And they can stand there and drink a beer and that's the loudest section in the building. And I just think if the Leafs had like a 29,000 seat arena or whatever, that they could fill it and it, it could potentially improve the atmosphere because I'm sorry, but like Scotiabank arena, it's, it's bad. And we, I was surprised how low it was on, on our rankings, but I thought about it and it's like, well, they're not wrong. Like I, I, I don't think that, especially for, you know, the biggest fan base and the, the richest team right in the middle of downtown Toronto, that arena is not good enough for what the Leafs should have. I think that's very well said. I've never actually heard that idea of making a bigger, Arena that makes oh a lot man, of sense. I've said that a couple of times, and usually in like a mailbag or something like that. But I, I think the Leafs should build the biggest hockey arena in the world. Do you know what they need too, James? There's no, and I don't know how you do this with new buildings. There's no sense of history. There's no character. No, like there's well in that article. And I, now they've tried. They've tried like with the Legends Row stuff, and like it's just I don't know if you can do it in some of these newer buildings where you have that character feel to it i don't know but why not though it, it feels like it should be easier like if vegas can do it and like put a bar on the roof and like you know tampa's got that cool thing with like the band outside and everything and like there's they i think they just need to think a little bit more outside the box because the new arenas like they seem very cookie cutter like you go to the new building and yes i don't know if the fans don't get mad at me for saying this but you go to the new building in newark and then you go to the new building in pittsburgh and it's like okay like they seem very, very, very similar. Like they're using the same architecture firms or whatever. And the, what the Leafs should do is like say like cost is not a factor for us. We are going to spend more on a hockey arena. Like it's kind of like what the Dallas Cowboys did and stuff, right? In the NFL, like we're going to spend double what someone normally spends on a hockey arena. We're going to make it way bigger. We're going to make it have it make it have all kinds of crazy things in it. 
like, I don't know, maybe they could have like a bridge that goes over the ice surface and you can like walk over it during the game and look down through the glass or I don't know, like just like do some different things, like think outside the box and there's no reason why the Leafs couldn't do that, you know, and the ACC or the Scotiabank Arena or whatever, I think that they should build something and call it Maple Leaf Gardens 2. Maybe it'll be Scotiabank Maple Leaf Gardens 2. And sequel. Have it be just enormous. Have it be as big as you can make a hockey arena. Yeah, you just need land for that. So maybe the Rogers Center. Tear Rogers Center down. Get that piece of, I don't know. Wouldn't it be cool? And and I also think, and this is another thing that I always talk about, is I think there should be two teams in Toronto. So Leafs move into like the Taj Mahal, the Maple Leaf Garden 2. Get an expansion team. Let the, let the Toronto Towers or whatever the hell you want to call them be the second team in Toronto. That way, any kid growing up that likes hockey will be able to go to an NHL game in his city. And there'll be another great rivalry. The Canada Division gets its eighth team. And... I think it'd be great. I think it'd be great for the NHL. I think it'd be great for hockey. It'd be good for fans. It'd be good for, and it'd be good for the Leafs too, getting this huge building and, and getting more of their fans in the building. And, you know, I, I think the Leafs really risk losing the next generation of the fan base because they're going to, they can afford to go to see a Jays game or a, even a Raptors game or, you know, I see kids getting into, you know, TFC, all kinds of different stuff. If they can never go to a Leafs game, that's a problem. That's a barrier for, creating lifelong fandom yeah 100 percent. i think it should be even cheaper than 70 bucks but anyway well i mean it's this imaginary stadium the, the, the problem with that it's all supply and demand right jonas like it's so like what you're trying to do if you have a second nhl team and you make a really big building for the leafs then you're you're increasing supply which is what what needs to happen here i mean the city is what are we at? number two tuesdays six and a half no what's that was that tickets the Jays used to have two knee Tuesdays mm-hmm. and you could sit in the 500 section for two bucks. And mm-hmm. now the issue is people would spend all the extra money on beer and just get hammered. Well, but as is their right. But if you, if you have a family and you can take your family to the game for $10, yeah, pretty good. Yeah. Well, like my yeah. kid, my son is, he's five and he's been to like, I think he's been to four Jays games, I want to say. He's never been to a Leafs game. Like, it would make no sense. And the other thing, too, is they don't put any games on in the afternoon. So, anyway. Uh, should we... One more question, James, and then we got a, we got a punt. All right. This is probably a decent one. What do you think the most likely trade targets are for the Leafs? feels like it needs to happen soon, if it's going to happen at all, you know, because of, like, all the restrictions on, on travel and stuff like that. Um there's been a lot of buzz around Calgary Sam Bennett from the fans. Do you think that's a real chance the Leafs will make a move this season? That's from Zachary Tolson. It's a good question. Um, I think it's a bit early for the Leafs to identify what they need. Uh, there have been reports that they're potentially looking at adding a forward. I think that would probably be a depth forward just because of their cap situation not being that forgiving. The problem I see with Sam Bennett, Jonas, is that I'm not sure if he's a third-line guy or a fourth-line guy. I'm not sure if he can be your third-line center. He only had I think he only had 11 points last year. And he makes $2.55 million And the Leafs don't have that cap space for a guy. If he's going to end up on your fourth line, that, that doesn't work. I don't know. Maybe if the Flames want to eat half the salary or something. They're, I know that the Leafs looked at Sam Bennett. He's, he's a guy that has potentially been on the move for a couple of years now. Um, but I, what I don't know is how much they like him or if there's still interest. It's just... The front office has been very, very quiet the last little while. Well, here's why he kind of profiles as someone Kyle Dubas might be interested in. 
I think the main reason is he has that. Uh, I'm trying to think of the way to describe it. He's, He's a, a reclamation top project. five pick. Reclamation yeah, project. And, yeah. And so like he has the pedigree of a former top five pick. Like he was a monster in, in London. And so like even if you can get something um, out of him, like there's talent in there. Can you turn it around? Is the situation the problem? Is I mean, it is a little concerning, like that he's kind of plateaued and never played more than like 15 minutes a night. But you know what else is interesting? And I don't know what's behind it. Like his playoff numbers have been fantastic. Like he's he was really he's somehow good. every Last playoffs year. he's made it. Yeah, like and, and it seems to happen every year. Like he seems to find another gear in the playoffs. So like if you if you think ahead and like you could find a way to make it work, like you think of a fourth line with him and like. Boyd and like Anderson or Spezza or whatever, like suddenly like maybe you got something, but I don't know. If the, if the Flames wanted to retain, I mean, their cap situation is really tight too, but if the Flames wanted to retain half or retain a big piece of that contract, then that would be something I would think about looking. Just because I think Bennett is a little bit like Kasperi Kapanen in that he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. He hasn't really delivered on, on the promise that he had coming into the league. And... Uh, I don't think we know what he is yet, you know, and he's one of those guys that, what is he, 24 now? He's getting a little bit 24, older. 24, yeah. Man, James, like, they don't miss you on your top five picks. Like, what they a pick huge him difference, fourth right? overall. Oh, my God, it kills you. Like, they pick him fourth overall. Neilander obviously goes eighth. Ehlers goes ninth. Vrana goes 13th. For, Forsberg went in that draft too, right? Forsberg went. Pasternak goes 25, like, well, Forsberg, I don't know what I remember being at that draft and I was like, I wonder if the Leafs are gonna take him. And he slipped to that. No, one. Forsberg's at a different draft. I think he's not in this one. Oh. Well, that must be the Riley draft I'm thinking of. That's my yes. mistake. Um there we there's one more good question I'm gonna throw at you here. Kevin LeBlanc says, The podcast rocks. Thank you, Kevin LeBlanc. Rank the likelihood of these players wearing blue and white next year. You ready, Jonas? There's four. Yep. Kerfoot, BC, Thornton, Simmons. Are they going to be back? I mean, Kerfoot's under contract, okay. so he's probably number one. I mean, regardless of what you think. I mean, his season's been kind of just whatever, but. I would go Kerfoot, Simmons, Thornton, VC. How about you? Yeah, I think that's right. I was thinking of putting Thornton higher, but I. he's, he's old. <laughs> I, I think Thornton's going to continue to play and. The only thing with Simmons, I think if, if he has a bit of a bounce back year here, and the Leafs aren't going to really be able to offer him a lot of money. I wonder if he thinks about yep. going somewhere else. Like that's the only. Yep. So I think I would go Kerfoot, Thornton, Simmons, VC. VC's got to show me more before I think we'll bring him back. Yeah, the fit hasn't been great. It's not worked. I was yet. calling him on Twitter today. I called him invisible. Hmm? Instead, <laughs> instead of invisible. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> do you think do you think the punch should come to the show? Maybe one day I could go through the whole roster and just wrap off the entire roster in puns. Maybe like once a month we'll make it a new feature. You get to use some puns. I'll get my guitar up here and I'll, I'll do something with it. Alright, well, if you haven't subscribed to The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash leafreport. You can rate and subscribe us on Apple and you can write in comments in the Athletic app. James, do you have anything else to add? The Leafs have a couple of games with Vancouver this week, and then we'll be back next um, week. I was going to ask you, have you invested in GameStop yet? I have not. Oh, okay. Do you think I should? Uh, I am the wrong person to ask. <laughs>
All right. I've just seen if you're keeping up on current events. Well, I have been trying to follow it. It's like it's a little too. It's so interesting. Did you read the, the Wall Street? Did you read the Wall Street Journal story of the guy that started it? It's fantastic. It's just no, amazing. Maybe I will. He's like, he's like a multi-millionaire now from this thing. It's just, I love stuff like this. All right. Well, good recommendation. I will check that out. And you and I will chat next week. Everyone stay well. Thank you for listening as always. And close this out, James. Wrap. I don't have, I don't have my wrap ready. You know, you asked me to wrap multiple times on the show, which I wasn't prepared for. Jay-Z can do it. I'm not Jay-Z. Well, I think Jay-Z probably put at least a little bit of thought into it. Also, I told you what kind of music I like, and rap's probably pretty far from my uh, expertise. All right, we will chat next week. Thanks, James.